Kordok flew as quickly as he could, searching the trees below him. It was like an arrow soaring through the air. In his desperation, he had figured out he could double his speed by narrowing his wings into an arrow shape, flapping here and there to increase elevation. He had been searching since earlier this morning, and it was nearly sunset. He had begun to lose hope of finding the ancient prison. A villager had said still stood somewhere, but was no longer inhabited. What had truly caught his attention was the villager's comment that the prison had been unused for nearly 20-some years. Meaning, he said to himself, would have been around during the War of Stones, making Malak aware of its location. For so he thought, he had nothing else to go on. He had searched the area he and Salafiel had done battle with Malak and the Tanim, but had no luck. He closed his eyes, angry with himself. If only I had not been so blinded by this new found power. He squinted his eyes at the brush below him. He circled back and forth, searching in the fading light. How hard could it be to find a prison? He flew lower to the ground and grabbed onto the tops of the great trees. They creaked beneath his weight, but they did not break. He sat on his haunches and puffed smoke, and a frustrated growl broke from between his teeth. If only I had something to go by, he whispered to himself. His vision blinked in and out, and a soft voice spoke to him, too faint to understand at first. As he strained to hear it, it became audible. Stay still, it said. Korok's vision returned and he felt a chill despite his insulating scales. He was alarmed but doubted it would be a good idea to ignore such a clear and audible command. He froze as he heard the clops of hooves. He turned quickly and saw a small dust trail rising over the hill below him. He heard a horse whinny in the distance. Whoever it is, they're about to have an unlucky day, he said, launching himself into the sky and gliding around the open width of trees. He wondered who the voice was or how it could speak in his head. That voice made him think he was crazy, which to him was no surprising, no surprise considering all he had seen and done recently. If it helps me to find my brother, then I embrace it, he finally decided. He soared above the hill and perched down through the clouds. He saw a horse running off into the distance, leaving its rider sprawled on the ground. Kordok roared loudly and reached out with his talons like a hawk. This should be amusing, he laughed. He had never thought he would enjoy doing something like this. The man's face was pale and he stumbled backward, hastily drawing his sword. Kordok lowered his claws and landed softly several feet from the man. He flared out the fins on the side of his cheeks. Going to strike down a prince of Lysville, eh? He grumbled. Deimos shuddered and threw his sword on the ground. You have some nerve doing that to me, considering how many dangerous dragons could be lurking about. Kordok allowed a small smile to spread across his face, which looked unnerving to Deimos. I'm sorry, I didn't know it was you that I was following. Korok shifted to his human form and held out his hand to help Deimos up. I thought all of you dear was breaking in half, Deimos said bitterly as he accepted Korok's hand. He picked up his sword and sheathed it. I am very sorry, friend. Deimos shook his head. I am the one who is sorry, Prince. It was unbecoming of me to greet you in such a hostile manner. It doesn't matter to me. I would have probably done the same thing. It is unnerving to see something that big coming at you so fast. Even a seasoned warrior would likely dirty his pants at the sight. Deimos' face turned red. It is not like me to be so easily frightened, and my trousers are fine, but I'm glad to see you, although a little surprised to have your company so soon. Deimos looked Kordok up and down confused. You do not look to be hurt anymore. That ruse sure does know how to heal, Deimos said, walking around Kordok, inspecting him. I may very well have had to consult her on bad. I may very well have to consult her on my bad back, Kordok shrugged. The power of the Ashenborn enhanced my own magical capabilities. I'm as surprised as you are. 
that I was able to heal so quickly. I could barely heal a broken arm before all of this happened. Deimos shook his head and chuckled. I am certainly going to have to learn magic one day in that case, it seems. He turned around and sighed. While my horses left me, she never really was a fan of things that could eat her. Kordok noted. You don't need to worry about her. I'm sure she'll return home. Besides, I'm a dragon now, so a steed is no longer required. He paused and asked. Have you had any luck tracking Salapiel and the Tanim? Yes, I'm heading towards the prison of Elos. I found several items that point to him being taken there, Deimos said, holding out the skeleton keys. Though there is only a ghost of a chance he'll be there. Kordok looked hopeful. I spoke to several villagers in Clipper. They recalled that the prison as being in use around the time of the war. He considered telling Deimos about his vision, but didn't know how he would take it, so he left it at that. Kornos, Deimos nodded in agreement. All roads seem to point there. If nothing else, it's a place to start. I don't believe he could have been taken far. What makes you so certain, he inquired. I don't, Deimos began, then paused and took a deep breath. I'm merely trying to be optimistic, because... If your brother has been taken far away, there is very little chance of finding him because he is turned over to Aleem. Before he is turned over to Aleem. Kordok closed his eyes as guilt washed over him once again. Salafiel's capture was his fault, if he knew it. Then let us remain optimistic. How long until we reach Elos? Morning, at least. Kordok clenched his fists and lead the way. We are going to find my brother, or would you care to fly? He asked. Not by, no, by foot is fine, Demo said. Are you walking? Kordok laughed and followed behind him. It would probably be a good idea not to draw attention to ourselves, he said, chuckling. Slothville felt his throat throb with pain. He hadn't had anything to drink for some time. The Tanim attending to him looked nearly asleep. Could I have some water, he asked his raspy voice. The Tanim's eye snapped open and it shook its head to wake itself. It grabbed a large wineskin and threw it through the openings of the bars. It sloshed onto the ground, some of it con its contents spilling onto the floor. Sawfil drank it quickly, the cool water soothing his scratchy throat. Are you content or do you need more? The Tanim said, looking at him flatly. Sawfil shook his head, wiping his mouth. Your gesture is appreciated. It tilted its head, inquisitive. What do you mean by that? Sawfil attempted a shrug. I don't think everyone is bound to be evil. The same as I do not believe one is forced to be kind, they are each a choice. The Tanim grinned a needled smile. It's not out of kindness that you get, I give you water, but so that you may be kept alive. Nothing more. Besides, Altinimi are the same. We are what we are. You gave me water, Slothiel said, an edge to his voice. So I will tell you this once. Let me out or else. The Tanim rolled its black orbs of eyes. Or else? That sounds like fun. Slothiel's eyes glowed yellow, the golden hue cascading across the room, illuminating the Tanim, who grabbed his weapon and stepped back. The weapon was a long metal rod with a sharp blade on the end, resembling somewhat of a reaper's a scythe. He raised his scythe to strike at Slothiel through the bars, but a blinding light erupted from Slothiel. The Tanim stumbled backwards, blinded. His keys dropped from his hand, and a tendril of light reached out and grabbed the keys, pulling them into the cell. Fool, the creature growled, scratching at its eyes furiously. Slothiel put the key in the lock and popped the door open. The Slothiel began to flail his weapon aimlessly in the air around him, trying to strike him. Perhaps, he said as he crouched, drawing with his fingers the air at the side. Yellowish flames flowed through the prince's fingertips and formed into a sword. The blade materialized as bronze luminescence. With a swift motion, he struck the Tanim below the whips, the blade sizzling at the contact. The creature fell silent and black gobs of blood spilled out of its mouth. Full of a... was all... The creature could manage as Slothiel pushed it off the blade, the body landing with a soft thump. 
It lay in a pool of its own blood, which hissed familiarly as it spread on the prison floor. Slothiel leaned on the wall, using his sword to balance himself. He hadn't known he was capable of making a sword appear out of nothing. What in all of you, dear, he whispered, ducking into an empty cell. He always been able to control his magic, but this time something was different. This time his magic had acted of its own accord. He reached into his pocket and felt the window speak, tensing as he pulled out several broken pieces. So much for that, he thought. He dropped the smaller shards of broken glass onto the cell floor and kept the largest piece. No doubt his recent battles had been the cause of the broken item. I am Salafiel, he said to the item. I wish to speak to Derek of the Ashenborn. The surface of the broken glass did nothing but show his own reflection. Great. Derek gives me one item and I break it, he said unhappily with himself. He peered around the corner. At the very least, I have a mirror now, he thought. A short tinium entered the passageway. <coughs> it sniffed the air. Excuse me. Its dark eyes scanning the cells until it landed on the other Tanin's body. Lord Belial, the creature called back to his master. Oh, that's just great, Salafiel muttered. Fantastic news. A tall, menacing creature covered the light of the doorway. Yes, Darkray, the familiar voice growled. Darkray motioned to the dead body, Salafiel sighed. I bet Kordok would have no trouble getting out of here, he thought, wishing his brother were with him. Salafiel, Belial called into the prison. Return to your cell and we will overlook your transgression. He was a meaningless pawn. You'll be forgiven for the murder of this little Tanim. <laughs> Slothfield began to sweat. As he leaned against the wall, he noticed the flame sword quivering and white sparks beginning to shoot from his blade. Belial saw the sparks and moved towards the cell, dark gray behind him. Cease what you're doing, Belial said menacingly. The power surrounding Slothfield streamed into the sword. Slothfield tried to shield his sword, but as he did, the yellow flame solidified into crystal clear glass. Slothiel's eyes began to glow, a tawny bronze. Blau growled, Come out now. Slothiel felt the same call to action he had felt when he summoned the sword. He knew what he had to do, and at its beckoning. With all his strength, he stabbed the floor of the prison with his blade. A golden tidal wave of magic flew through the prison, and lighting and cascading for the point of contact. White sparks bounced off the shaking walls, making popping noises. The power surrounded him, and the power shot into him, in fact. Slothiel felt strength erupt through the wave of magic. White light formed around him and his, begot, his body began to elongate. New limbs began to form on his back and a tail began to take shape. As light sparked and energy poured out of him, he grew to four times his original size and continued growing. Slothiel had all yelled that roared into a, turned into a roar. The energy burst out a final wave, crackling the, pr cracking the prison in half and sending rubble flying in all directions. Slothiel opened his newly enlarged eyes. The magic sparked and dissipated until only a magnificent gold and bronze dragon stood where he had stood. Slothiel realized he was now a massive two-winged dragon with bronze teeth and horns. Glowing golden scales protected him like massive shields of knights prepared for battle. He twisted his long tail and unfurled his yellowed wings. He felt a burning in his chest so he opened his mouth to release and relieve the pain and a river of fire spewed out. No, Bilal yelled, honing a sizable wound on his side caused by falling rubble from the cracking of the prison. Attack, he yelled, pulling his sword, that jagged weapon. Forget about keeping him alive. With a shout, Bilal and several other Tanims charged Salafiel. As Bilal ran, he threw a black orb of magic striking Salafiel on the side. The orb shattered against his golden scales and fell harmlessly to the ground. He smiled, pushing off the ground with his four powerful legs. Slothiel was airborne. His massive wings thrust him through the new opening in the prison roof. Turning, Slothiel roared and breathed a fireball of yellow flame at the prison. The, the flames <coughs> excuse me, 
streaked through the cracks of stone, demolishing it more. The heart of the blast struck Belial, who catapulted into a wall, falling to the ground. His body lay motionless. Slothiel turned to leave and felt hot fire strike him with a jolt on his jaw. Slothiel spattered but righted himself with a few flaps of his wings. He looked around, unsure where the blow had come from. Another one hit him, making him lose control and sending him crashing into a dense group of trees, large trunks snapping like twigs as he hit them. He rolled to his feet and clawed the ground, exploding mud and damp ground from the night before. Moloch's voice rang through the forest, Strike him down, fools, before he escapes. Red flames erupted all around him, forming a circle of dome of fire. Slothio growled. He had been so easily captured before, but now, he wagered, his enemy did not have as much of an advantage. He roared his challenge and met the flame with flames of his own. He propelled into the sky, the flames flowing from his mouth and exhilarating him all the same. The monstrous roar tore through the forest. What was that? Deimos asked, his hand on his axe. Kordok strained to see ahead. His eyes seemed to brighten a little. I don't know, but whatever it is, Slothiel must have done something, or must have something to do with it. Deimos gave him a bewildered look. It could be a scorion. It is foolish to head towards a noise we don't really recognize. Kordok nodded at that. At that, as a golden torrent of flame flew from the forest nearly a mile away, and despite the fact he was able to see it and make out what it was. A dragon with golden flame, Kordok yelled as he took off at a sprint. The flames illuminated the shadows where they stood. Not a scorion, then Damus called ahead, out of breath as he tried to keep up the pace. Kordok looked excited, but didn't slow his pace. The forest shook around them as a giant object fell from the sky, scorching trees and sending smoke spiraling into the blue sky. Kordak let his magic throw through, flow through him, and he knocked an arrow with a magical energy burning from the tips of, of his fingers. Deimos stopped, bending over to breathe as he cobbed to Kordok. They were close enough to see the prison. Flames had torn through a small fortress in the center of the garrison, and there was a hole in their roof that looked fresh. Kordok noticed several Tanims dazedly attempting to recover from the blast. Kordok froze when he saw the large form of Belial rise from the flames, black flames of his own, encircling him. Kordok and Deimos crouched behind a large boulder, watching cautiously. Deimos pulled out his hunting knife. A voice called out, commands through the, the though neither Deimos nor Kordok could understand its meaning. Belial growled slowly with needle teeth and breathed scarlet flames, <clears throat> dispelling the golden ones still flickering around him. He sheathed, he unsheathed his wicked sword and angrily growled orders out to the others. Damos gripped his blade tightly. Shall we head in the direction the enemy is going? He asked. Kordok nodded. His gaze moves toward the scorched trees. Lao's eyes turned white and he followed the other to need from view. Kordok and Damos followed cautiously. Crimson fingers of fire licked the trees and Kordok could see the Tanims gather in a circle around a massive creature. Kordok hid behind an old tree and Deimos fell back, finding a bush to crouch behind. The Tanims used their dark flames to encircle the dragon. Another figure floated above the dome of the flame. Its voice reverberated, a voice Kordok remembered. Sloth, you'll have nowhere to go, Malak said loudly. The golden dragon tucked in its wings and opened its maw to roar a challenge. Kordok watched, admiring his brother's transformation. He had no doubt this was his brother. Despite the fact he was a dragon, he somehow could recognize that it was indeed him. They must watch the scene for a moment before saying, Shoot Malak. Kordok nodded. With all strength, he pulled back his bow, and the arrow flew through the air with a whistle straight for Malak. Malak turned at the noise and was struck in the arm, causing him to drop his sword. Malak yelled, and the teams around Salafiel lost focus on their spells, and the dome failed. Attack Malak, Salafiel. 
It is Deimos and Kordok. Kordok yelled and fired two more arrows at nearby teams. Deimos charged at the monsters as well. With a burst of wind, Salafiel cleared the distance between him and Malak. He was overjoyed to know that his brother and Deimos were now there to help him take on the insurmountable odds. He spewed a torrent of flame upon his enemy, his rage palpable. Malak howled in pain, stumbling back, a fresh bubbling wound on his exposed arm. Kordok fired again, his arrows flying straight and true. Malak dropped to the ground and glared at the arrow protruding from his chest. Kordok eyed him with caution, knowing full well that, though well placed, the blow would not be the end of it. Slawfield landed and struck like a cobra as Malak ripped the arrow from his chest, blood staining his clothes. Malak avoided Slawfield's fangs with a backward movement but was thrown off balance. He followed with a tail swipe which sent Malak tumbling violently to the ground. Malak rolled desperately and grabbed the sword he had dropped, jabbing at the at dragon's head. Slawfield retreated to the inside of his mouth, bleeding where Malak had landed a significantly lucky blow. Malak wiped his own blood from his head as he brushed his hair out of his face. Bloody child, he yelled. Malak struck the ground with his blade. Dark, shadowy tendrils emerged from the blade and wrapped around Malak. Slothil took a deep breath and exhaled as much flame as he could. The flame sparked off of Malak uselessly. You have only just found this born, but I perfected it, Malak goaded, his voice deepening. With that, dark purple lesions began to sprout from his hands and feet. Slothiel winced at the revolting sight before him. Malak's dragon was equal to the size of Slothiel, but stood on two legs. His back legs bent slightly as if they were hovering in place. Spikes stormed his brow and joints. Dark crimson wings larger than the, his body sprouted from his back. The Amaranthine dragon growled, and purple flames flickered from its mouth and claws. The transformation was grotesque, as Malak writhed like a snake that had just shed its own skin. Behold, the creep beast gurgled. Slothiel charged and flung himself at the monster, his mouth opened wide in a roar. Malak moved aside and struck him on the jaw with his jagged tail. Slothiel felt his teeth snap together and his ears ring. You are inferior by comparison, Malak said as more purple flames erupted from his claws and wrapped around Slothiel like a chain. The chain tightened around Slothiel's neck like a noose. Slothiel struggled to remove it, but with each movement made the chain grow tighter. It became harder and harder to breathe. Another of Kordok's arrows flew at Malak but bounced off harmlessly. Malak rumbled a chuckle. He slung Slothfield to the ground, breaking the magic chain, and lifted the other claw to send Kordok flying. Slothfield coughed sparks and struggled to lift himself. He felt lightheaded at this point. It is ironic, Malak said, and struck Slothfield as he was getting up. You're acting as though you were some part of some sort of deity. Malak shrugged and shot another spell at Slothfield. In the face of true power, you're a mere children only dreaming of what strength is like. Michael laughed and shook his head when he realized that all the Tinium's servants were dead. So you killed them, he said, sneering. Truthfully, I do not need them. Their failures as numerous as their abilities to rebirth themselves. Slothiel rose slowly, still feeling groggy. He stepped between Malak and where he knew Kordok was hiding in the woods. Malak flapped his wings and turned his head to the side. Stubborn children at that, spoiled even. Good children know how to take their punishment. Kordok suddenly appeared in dragon form, breathing fire as he advanced on Malak. Children of fire, I said, his, uh, triumphantly, his eyes shining. The sapphire dragon stood up with its wings flared. Both bronze and blue behemoths stood on either side of Deimos. Imagine that came the familiar voice of Belial. More Ashenborn. Yes, and now that they are two, you'd better run, little flea, Kordok said in his newly deep voice. Malak laughed. Just more targets for me, he crouched, saying, not get in my way, Belial. Slothfield cannoned into the air, while Kordok stayed on the ground. Blue flames jetted at Malak. 
He looked aggravated. He used magic to defend himself, then swiped his tail across Korlok's face. Korlok clamped his jaws down on Malak's tail and held on tightly. Malak screeched but couldn't move as Salafiel dug into the earth below, pinning him to the spot. Balal ran at Salafiel but was tripped by Deimos. Forgetting someone, he said, blasted you of flesh. Salafiel, Deimos circled him with his sword, challenging him. Kordok was happy for the distraction. He pounced on Malak, roaring like a lion. Malak tumbled to the ground at the impact. Salafiel let go of his tail and joined the terrible brawl. Malak's teeth flared purple flame as Salafiel and Kordok tore at his wings with their fangs. A shockwave of fire sent the brothers tumbling backwards into the dirt. Malak's wings dangled uselessly beside him. They were broken, the membranes ripped like parchment. Malak was breathing hard, but never took his slits of eyes off of them. You think you've won, he said, grasping for breath. I don't think God's I didn't think God's got tired, Malak or Kordok said mockingly. Salafiel growled, Come on then, we're ready for you. Malak moved forward, but his leg gave out beneath him and he hissed in frustration. His claw hand shook and he glared down at it angrily. He's finished, Kordok said, circling him. His brother nodded. Deimos pinned Bilal to the ground beside them. You are all fools, you will pay. A hit from the side of Deimos blade silence Malal, knocking him out. Thanks for that, Kordok said. Why are you interested in Salafiel, Kordok said, addressing Malak. Malak spit blood and flexed his hand. Wouldn't you like to know? We'll kill you right here, Kordok said, or can, you can start talking. Salafiel gave his brother a concerned look. Malak's mouth curled up into a sly smile. You wouldn't do it. Purple flames slowly moved their way over Malak's body and the torn membrane of wings began to stitch itself together. Wouldn't I? Kordok's eyes glowed sapphire. Brother, Salafiel said softly. Kordok turned to him and shook his head. He took you and tortured you. He nearly killed me. He cannot be left alive. He should be, giving mer he should be given mercy. We don't have to kill him, Salafiel said. Malak shook his head and chuckled. Don't follow us. Next time you will not be so lucky, Salafiel said sternly. Malak kissed. I will kill you the next time, regardless of my lord's wishes. Salafiel floated into the air. Do not speak prophecy that you cannot fulfill. Kordok picked up Deimos in his claws. He watched as Salafiel flew into the open air. Kordok narrowed his eyes. An image of a dead dragon flashed across his vision. I may have underestimated you once, but I assure you, if you do not, if you do try anything against us in the future, you will die. This is a true prophecy. I have seen it. Malak tensed at Kordok's words. The only truth, boy, is that my master will adorn his crown with you and your brother's scales. Kordok covered above him. I do not doubt he would try. Malak kept talking, but Kordok ignored him as he followed after Slothiel. The day had turned to night. They were able to hide in the clouds, coolness, dampness keeping them away. Slothiel saw an opening in the forest beside a lake. Kordok spotted it at the same time, and they began to descend, their strength failing. Kordok could feel the dragon power leaving him, and quickly they landed on the beach of the lake. Their magic left them, and they both crumpled to the ground. They must watch over them as they slept, his muscles tired, but his mind alert.